Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, the ongoing saga of finding the best video game to film adaptations. You can tell we're succeeding because we had to move away from video game to film adaptations and go to video game adjacent adaptations. So we're looking at uh, five in a row that are video game-ish, but not quite video game. Forgive us, we need a break. I am Nick Moore, <laughs> with me is Wayne Brissett and Mark Athenis. Wayne? Good evening, gentlemen. And Mark? Uh, good evening. And Clearly, we record at night. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are looking at The Last Starfighter right. from 1984. And believe me, when you watch it, you'll know it's 1984. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is video game in the sense of it is based on a idea of a guy playing an arcade machine that apparently is set up to test out for pilots who are able to go off and fight a war in space. If you can get the high score and beat the last boss, holy crap, you're an amazing pilot and we want you to fight a real war. Pretty wild stuff. It is very video gamey, though obviously an original idea. Uh, Wayne, what did you think of the film? Well, I've got a huge soft spot for this film. I was seven years old when I went to the theater to see this, and it just screams seven-year-old fun. Like it's, <laughs> I love video games. This is about a guy playing an arcade who's so good at it that it gets noticed across the galaxy to be recruited. It, the starship is cool. The, the characters are fun. Um, I remember even being a little scared with like uh, we'll get into it, but mm -hmm. with like the android and, and even the bad guys. I remember when I was I was young. I was a little scared of them. They just they looked intimidating when I was seven. But oh sure, I don't know. I, right from the beginning, the music from Craig Saffin is absolutely one of the best themes out there. I own this movie on multiple media. I have the soundtrack, everything. This is just a. I have a huge soft spot for this film. So obviously, I love it, Mark. <laughs> I love it too. This movie is one of those ones when you see as a kid again, I was probably like, again, six or seven when I saw it. And uh, it's had a, a long lasting effect. Like it is to this day, the reason I still deeply enjoy actually video games that are spaceship flying centric. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a kid and saw this, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And from asteroids to no man's sky, I've been pulled into video games that have been centered around space flight and space combat. And this this movie is the reason why. Like, uh, I thought it was just the coolest, coolest thing as a kid. And I absolutely remember being terrified of several things that I had <laughs> forgotten until I rewatched this. And I was like, oh, my God, that's terrifying. So, yeah. Nick, what? Uh, how, how do you feel? I mean, you guys both hit the nail on the head. As a kid, you watch this thing and it's just the coolest idea. Mm -hmm. The idea that playing video games isn't useless. They lead to great and exciting things. This... I mean, they don't even act subtle about it. They literally mention the Excalibur idea of pulling the sword out of the stone as if mm -hmm. this is something that maybe they've done in the past there as well, where this video game is set to look for an ultimate warrior, so to speak. And to be a kid and playing a video game thinking, yeah, my skills will translate and make me this amazing warrior. Awesome idea. Now, I watched this recently because I hadn't seen this for years. I think I've only ever watched it once. Watched it for this mm. with uh, with the whole family. 
Mm-hmm. And there was a concern going in that this is going to be a nostalgia thing only. And, you know, if you weren't someone who watched it when you were a kid or if you weren't a kid in the 80s, this film is not going to be holding up. Some of it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Some of it's mm-hmm. a little rough. It's not without its faults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the feel of the film really does hold up. Like my kids were able to mm-hmm. sit there and watch it and they weren't bored. Yeah. They didn't, you know, get up and jump on their tablet and disappear into the night. They stuck through it. Uh, it also... Uh, was a a stark reminder with my kids with me there. To me, the best children's films or the best children's stories still have some element of danger or some Mm -hmm. element of fear to them. And like you were saying, there's some scary stuff for a kid (laughs) in this film. It Um, is. Yeah. It's it's got some wild stuff. So a quick rundown for, again, the plot. You've got this guy, Alex, living in a trailer park, and he feels like his life is going nowhere, and one of the things he does to pass the time is playing this arcade game. And... I love the idea that when the the guy who's running the shop, I think, I want to say his name is Otis? Yeah. Cletus? I don't know. Yeah, Otis. Either way, when Otis he sees Otis. that he's getting near the high score, it's such a small trailer park community that he's like, everybody, come on over. And I'm thinking, okay, three or four people might come over. <laughs> Literally everyone in the town, except for the main character's mother, is crowded around him cheering him on including like little old ladies who are like 80 years old with blue hair it's the command ship <laughs> what's it's a command so ship did that. you guys get the impression that everybody plays this because i just there's a, a picture in my head now of those little old ladies like rocking the controls of this thing yeah and maybe if he didn't pan out they could just keep going back to the trailer park <laughs> to find new recruits it's true it's possible <laughs> You know, what I kept thinking, uh, actually, and I was laughing at it, like kind of internally was like, this has got to be one of the only movies I can think of that depict a trailer park as being one of the most wholesome, cleanest, nicest yeah. communities I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Like it is, it looks idyllic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a trailer park. <laughs> After this, trailer parks become a joke. It felt like a cottage resort where you go and everybody knows each other because you're there for the week. Everybody's nice. And then that's it. You go home. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the only reason they didn't have the white picket fence is because they picked up and moved away from where the white picket fence was. Other <laughs> exactly. than that, they brought all those values with them. It was yeah. pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of it, it's like it's neat um, to think what a, what a stereotype trailer parks are now um, <laughs> to see it back. How it was portrayed, you know, in the, in the mid 80s. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree. They probably everybody plays it because literally what else is there to do there? There's right. nothing else to do. Now, I blame the current state of the trailer park uh, cliche off of his younger brother who has maybe the only unwholesome moments in the entire film. Yeah. This kid is, <laughs> I just think, funny. younger than mine. <laughs> I think this kid's maybe 10. Oh, yeah. And they no, they take not a, even. a cut in the middle of the film to show he's just sifting through Playboys. And I thought maybe he's looking through the main characters. No, those are his. Yeah, they're his, yeah. I don't know where he's getting <laughs> yeah. them, but he's flipping it open and doing the whole ooh-la-la. And my kids are sitting there. I'm thinking, man, I know Parker gets this. I hope Aliana doesn't yet. <laughs> But like everyone else is so wholesome. You know what I kept thinking was that at first I thought, man, how does he get his hands on those? And then I thought, oh, wait a minute. There's like one convenience store. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. And he probably just went to Otis and was like, hey, man, is a new is a new issue of Playboy. Don't tell your mom. He's probably like, here you go. (laughs) Yeah, Don't tell your mom. Here you go. It's 1984. That thing would happen. (laughs) Yeah. I hadn't seen this in so long. I thought thought Otis was like the the one who recruits him. I thought he was an alien hanging out there. Oh, and it turns yeah. out it's ah. 
Centauri, who looks like a door-to-door salesman from the 1930s. Uh, he looks and sleazy. And actors from the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Centauri, I forgot how much of a, I enjoyed his character in this entire movie until he reappeared. And I was like, his character is the spirit of why that movie is so much fun to me. Yeah. He's just, he, his character completely embodies the fun of that movie and every scene he's in. He's so much fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's a good example of, you've got a couple of, I wouldn't call them big name actors in the sense of going, Oh man, you immediately know their name, mm-hmm. but they're that guy in a film where you go, Hey, I know him. He's from, and you name off three other films. You've got him, and I, I can't remember the, the the name of the guy when I was watching. I had to look it up. But the one who plays Grig, the alien that teams up with uh, with yeah. Alex yeah. throughout the second half of the film. Like, they're big actors mm-hmm. in terms of how many films they've been in. But they're people you just can't put a face to right. when you look at them. But they're, you know, good character yeah. actors, right? Yeah. But you have yeah. Centauri come down. And for such a wholesome film, the whole time I'm watching it thinking how things can go sideways, he shows up in his space age looking DeLorean. Yeah. is like, hey, kid, get in my car. And Alex does. <laughs> yeah, I got an offer for you. I look you. at my kids. I'm like, yeah. Don't do that. You're like, yeah, don't do not do that. If that happens, they're not taking you to space. Don't, don't get in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why your kids will never become starfighters. Yep. <laughs> I suppose that's true. My kids will never be starfighters. Yep. <laughs> I'm willing to make that sacrifice. That's fine. But he gets into the car with him and starts going apparently 303 miles an hour when you consider the the police radar there, which I don't think that's quite how fast he was going. And everything still looks semi-practical. And then it takes flight. And I started howling. It's amazing. Oh, man. It's truly amazing. So much of this film does really well. The character still works it really well. The the music, like you said, the acting for what it's supposed to be. It has this really good 80s vibe. The attempt at CG, <laughs> you have to forgive it because it's in its infancy. It's got to be one of the first. But I'd like to look that up. It has to be one of the first. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be. I distinctly remember as a kid being absolutely blown away. Of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the CG. Absolutely. Because honestly, it's it's got to be one of the first. You'd never seen anything yeah. like it. Oh, yeah. Prior to that, you'd have had like, you'd have, you'd have had Star Wars. But, like, that's a lot of practical effects. This is sure. all, like, that is a fake rendered yeah. ship. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you have him fly out into space. And between flying out into space, what space looks like while he's flying, and going to the the main hideout of the, the good guys who are staging their attack against the evil, I don't know, Empire coup, whatever yeah. it is. Parker stops and looks over at me, and I know he's thinking, really? You're making me sit through these special effects? <laughs> but that's fine. It's okay. And, of course, I'm watching it in HD, uh, so you can really, really see. see how oh, it's yeah. aged. Yeah. Oh, just gorgeous. The Blu-ray was just mwah, shining with that effect. Just every polygon. Oh, yeah. But the flip side of it, <laughs> the costume and makeup work for the aliens are really good. The practical stuff's great. And yeah. they have a... <laughs> Yeah, they have a few different designs. You've got the reptilian kind of Grig dude that he teams up with who seems to be more or less in charge. They really doubled down on most of the alien races are just bald humans that are bald in a very specific way where they've got that crown of hair on the outside. Mm -hmm. Men, women didn't matter. They all have that bald spot. (laughs) I don't understand. Very (laughs) weird. But one of the aliens, I don't know if you caught it, one of those races... 
he looks almost like Isaac from Dead Space in the armor, but that's his skin with yeah. like the slit lines across him. Yeah, that's their cantina scene. <laughs> that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, they're like their their cantina scene where he walks into and that room. All the fighters in there. Like, wow, like that's all practical effects. Everybody's in makeup. Um, the what was it, the bounty hunter guys who were yeah. hunting him? Like it's a practical effect, and I, I every time I was like. Yeah, the, the eye holes are nowhere near where your eyes would be on your face. So I don't oh, even yeah. know how that would work when you're in that thing. Like it was the amazing. eyes under their puffy cheeks. Yeah, those guys were weird, shape changing, energy yeah. stealing, gun toting eyes under their cheek. Hammer bounty hunters. I thought they looked cool. Like, they're creepy looking, I, yeah. but they're cool. No, they looked good. <laughs> I thought they looked cool. They looked good, but I just I didn't understand the design. But it looked really neat. Yeah. Like you had that. You had the tentacle dudes. You had the typical mm-hmm. blue-faced aliens, and then 85% of those aliens disappear in the villain's <laughs> attack. <laughs> so yeah, much I makeup know. work yeah. for nothing. <laughs> we'll just keep the one. Budget. We'll just keep the one. Budget. <laughs> so you have this. I can't tell if it's that they're a resistance force and the villains are the ones kind of in charge of the galaxy, or if it's that – I think it's that the – the villains are the ones who split off. I wasn't quite clear on that, but I know that the the leader of the good people, his son is just the worst, and he's betrayed them, gone off to the opposing <laughs> evil empire, and he's telling them where the good guys are. One of the, the bald-headed aliens is also a traitor on the inside, and while they're trying to fight off some, what was yeah. it, a meteor gun? <laughs> a gun that literally <laughs> fires meteors? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not we're going to shoot, shoot lasers, meteors. not we're going to shoot missiles. Meteors. Yeah. I want to know the job of the guy who has to collect those or do they make them? I don't. It's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. But you have this trader place what looks like just normal C4 on the back of like the command thing and then walk mm-hmm. away and it goes off and kills all of the starfighters except for our main character, the last starfire. I think that it actually kills that traitor as well because you never see him again. Yeah, you never. That's it. He's really committed. Well, most most yeah. of that place gets decimated once the yeah, meteor is committed hit. to the cause. Yeah, yeah, unless you had plot yeah. armor, you're in trouble. Almost everyone who's not a speaking part is gone. Exactly. I didn't really. Um. Again, I love this movie, but I and again, I enjoy it from beginning to end. But like, sure. I never really understood why. Like, I don't understand what the conflict is about. Like, I don't know why the other people are bad. Are they just bad because they're bad? Or well, that's like- the film's biggest weakness, right? Is we don't spend a lot of time with the villains to really understand what's the motive. What's this really about? It still feels like just an arcade yeah. game, right? You're just popping in a quarter. Right. You're going up and you're just fighting bad guys because that's what you're told to do. Which, to a degree, I'm kind of okay with. Sure. Because if you look at the way that they set it up, oh, no. totally. the main villains... They exude all the qualities you would think when you look at them to go, okay, this is a villain. The main heroes, they're, you know, wearing all white or beige or whatever it is. They all look intelligent, friendly, intelligent because they're balding and people equate that with intelligence. That's why I'm so damn smart. Whereas you look at the villains and they're like craggy faced, things jutting out of it. They're wearing dark red armor that's all over them instead of suits. It's armor. They look like they're geared for war. They look like that is their entire purpose is to dominate and destroy. Whereas all of the good aliens, so to speak, look like they're there to, I don't know, be Star Trek and go explore and be nice. 
you don't get any backstory to either, but visually you can pick up on, well, this one's clearly the one you should shoot, and this this is the one that you're supposed to save and get the end credits for. Yeah. Uh, they do a pretty good job of that, but yeah, they don't build much of anything in terms of them, but they do a really good job of building that characterization of what his life is like in the community and mm-hmm. his relationship to his girlfriend and how he feels like yeah. he's meant for something bigger and doesn't want to go to city college like everyone else. He wants to have a purpose. They do a really good job of that, mm-hmm. and I think that's what carries the film Absolutely. to this day, because the special mm-hmm. effects age, and the special sure. effects in terms of the makeup, they look good, but other films have that too. Mm-hmm. But this has a level of care given to the actual person who's behind that cockpit that a lot of these films didn't have, and that's why I feel like they kind of die off, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really do feel that. Um, again, the heart, this movie is full of heart, and it has that heart in spades, everywhere so yeah they didn't they didn't i didn't need an explanation it's just something that like i thought about as it ended i was like you know i didn't really even really know why they're fighting i didn't care (laughs) i enjoyed the movie deeply i and i again to to your point like it's very much a video game it's like a quest giver a quest giver came down started the hero on his journey there's a little bit of sacrifice lost in the middle and he goes on to realize his heroic potential and he saves the day it is like it's it's such a basic, perfect hero's journey. I, I just I like. It. But on the same basis, it has a good moral, right? Like I always took it as, you know, if you work really hard at something, you're going to get noticed, and that's the moral that I took even into my own life, mm-hmm. right? I've, sure. Uh, it, it, sure. In this movie, it's a video. Oh, you work really hard at a video game. You're not going to become a space pilot. But just in general in life, if you work hard at something, you're bound to get noticed eventually, right? And that's really what the moral is is trying to push here. I think that's a good point. I like that. Yeah, so you know what's actually funny, though, because we kind of like jokingly think the premise of like, oh, they've got this like virtual game he plays and it makes you a pilot. But like I could have sworn not too long, probably in the 80s, there was a lot of talk about like simulated games that like attracted people into the army. Oh, yeah. Am I crazy? I think they they still do it, don't they? No, they do. They use, uh, for for example, like flight sims for actual flight training. Like there is some basis to what they're doing, but this film's extrapolating it to a wild degree of going, okay, it's not just us going, hey, (laughs) we're going to put you in a fake video game to learn how to fly before we throw you into a real flight. It's we're going to put you into a game for a real war. It's got almost a, an Ender's Game kind of quality to it there in terms of he thinks it's a game, but it's yeah. more than that. But it, it's not written yeah. incompetently either. Like I like how they explain no. that the game was never supposed to be there, right? It was never even supposed to be on Earth, right? No. <laughs> but I like how they they make sure you know that not only was it supposed to be on Earth, it was definitely not supposed to be in some hick little trailer park. It was supposed to be in Las Vegas trying to sort out hundreds yeah. of thousands of people, not <laughs> one guy playing it every day because it – was delivered by UPS to the wrong address. Or by Shady Centauri. I, I, he's just so shady. <laughs> Centauri complaining about it. <laughs> just thought, oh. you know how much money I've given to the merchandising of this? <laughs> to get it out before Christmas? <laughs> yeah. To get it shipped by Christmas? <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> he's so fantastic good. in this movie. Absolutely. Him and, uh, and yes. Grig, two standards yes. in it. I was a little confused by the idea that, you know, halfway into this, you've got Alex, the hero who goes into space, goes, oh, my God, this is an actual war. You know what? You're on your own, guys. See you around and leaves. He has that hesitation of the hero's journey. And then when Centauri comes back to him to try and convince him, Centauri gets shot. And he goes with him back to the the place to save him, back to the, the main base and finds out it's been blown up. 
And then you have what's supposed to be a touching scene of Centauri dying while Grig and Alex are there. And he's like, I'll see you in the next dimension, friend, and closes his eyes. And you go the rest of the movie without him. And then he just shows up and he's like, I thought you were dead. No, no, no. I was just dormant while I was healing. Grig doesn't seem surprised by this either. So why was he going through the whole, I'm going to close your eyes and I'll see you in the next dimension, old friend. Was he just screwing with Alex? Yeah. Was it the equivalent of like Fury throwing down the cards that are all bloody in front of Captain America and Tony? They did walk away from him rather quick, right? They just said, oh, he must be dead. Closed his eyes, said, hey, tapped him on the shoulder and said, we got to go. It feels like a tactic. Maybe he was only mostly dead. Yeah. Mostly dead. He was (laughs) mostly dead. Well, he does say it's just a flesh wound so yeah yeah they were taking him to the apothecary it's fine yeah no i i really don't uh i think so too i think you're i i thought the exact same thing when he walked back out because i was like watching it being like it's been a while but i could have sworn he didn't die and then he walks back out i'm like i was right he did not die that makes no sense (laughs) but whatever i love this movie well either greg was screwing with him to try and stir him on to like fight yeah or test audiences what what do you mean he dies kids are sad and they brought him back one or the other because i know there was reshoots they added stuff in now i have to say this though if you actually watch greg throughout the entire movie he's constantly pushing alex's buttons that is true yeah because he is like oh too bad we don't yeah, have a he's good fighter. too. I'll take you home now. <laughs> he's really oh good God. in this too. Like he's doing that constantly. Yeah. So I actually do believe that he did know that he would be fine and was just messing with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you have uh, once he's got him in the ship and they're taking off and Alex goes, well, hold on. You said that the main base got blown up. Yep. yep. <laughs> and where are all the starfighters? Well, they were in the base. So how many starfighters do we have left? Including you? Yeah. One. <laughs> One. And then fire, and then it takes off. Uh, it takes off. It just though, I'm sorry. I thought if I just threw you into combat, you would just... Oh, my God. <laughs> you almost killed Or just the... Ah, I always okay. wanted to face an impossible battle against insurmountable <laughs> odds. Insurmountable odds. Uh, what? <laughs> like, or when he tells him how many enemies there's uh, going to be, he's like, oh, yeah, there'll be hundreds versus us. It'll be a slaughter. And he goes, yeah, That's the spirit. Us. That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit no for us <laughs> so good yeah he's I, fantastic I deeply, yeah. every moment he's amazing their their interactions are amazing uh, uh it's it's and, and they found a way to still that and i don't know why go ahead when when they're in space they found a way to still go back to earth and still be interesting with the with the, with the robot which i know you haven't really talked well, about that's yet the reshoots. oh <laughs> so looking up this a little bit and not questioning why, just I was looking up on any trivia, just so I could, you know, see if there's anything I didn't know about. Almost all the stuff for the beta, this android mm-hmm. humanoid thing that Centauri leaves behind in Alex's place to pretend that he's Alex, almost all of that was reshoots uh, because they wanted to add a little bit more comic relief into the film. And the original test audiences liked the couple of scenes of him that were in there. Mm-hmm. So they added a whole bunch more, mm-hmm. including arguably my favorite scene of the entire movie. Oh my God! The so, laugh. The laugh. The, no, is it the laugh. The laugh the is the second favorite. So, oh, the laugh is. Was when he takes his head off. So, oh, he has a lot of good scenes. Yeah. Trust me, you're not guessing my favorite. You're not guessing my favorite. Okay. So, one of the big things that they have in terms of comic relief for the fake Alex, we'll call him, is his relationship to Alex's actual girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, for example, she apparently tried to stick her tongue in his ear at one point, and he talked about her weird sexual urges, so she slaps the real Alex when he comes back down to Earth. At one point, he upsets her. The fake Alex upsets 
the girlfriend when they're out, like hanging out in the sleeping <laughs> yes. bag with a bunch and of their friends. Listening. And she's all upset with him. And then he sees one of the other guys with his girlfriend in a sleeping bag. And he's using his, I guess, super hearing to listen in. And he hears him say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, darling, forgive me. So he repeats that and she seems to respond. And he hears that guy say, oh, you're my Juliet, my Venus. And he you know, repeats Love that me, and she seems really happy. And I'm thinking, OK, where is this joke going to go? And then sure enough, the other guy says, you got to yep. understand those other girls meant nothing to me. You're the only one. And poor robot Alex, poor fake Alex doesn't understand that that's not a good thing to say because the girl, she says, oh, you want me to talk dirty to you now? So he thinks that's a response he'll get and says to Alex's girlfriend, the other girls meant nothing to me. Do you want to talk dirty now? Oh, my God. I rewound and watched Should that I again. Should I stick my tongue in your ear? Oh, my oh, God. I just love that. The Do you want me to talk dirty to you now? Oh, it's just so. And yes, the when she looks at him so in the classic. truck and, you know, you're acting so strange, you know. Laugh. Why don't you smile or joke around with us or laugh? And just the laugh, I can do what that. What would you do? And that robotic yeah. laugh he starts throwing out with that fixed, almost evil-looking grin. And everyone yeah. just stares at him like he came yeah. out of a Stephen King story. Oh, my God. Yeah. His acting is amazing. To that play is, the, the leading man character, is amazing. but also have that comic timing, he comes off almost like a cross between Paul Rudd and Henry Cavill back <laughs> in the 80s. He was a. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why this guy didn't get more work. He was pretty solid. Yeah, I liked no, him. I, he, he was, was pretty good. good. I was thinking that same thing. I was like, you know, what, whatever happened to this guy? Because like he's really good yeah. in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Like because 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 he does. He plays two roles. He plays off of himself. Like when he's arguing with himself. Oh god, that's great. Yeah. And then they just when they're both like, go to bed, Lewis. And then when he looks, what did I just tell you? I said, go to bed. Like just his interactions, even with his brother after he's the beta. Like, it's just so great. Like, I love it. Oh, yeah. And apparently he's had a solid enough career, just not as a a leading man. Corinne looked him up and he's acting to this day. He just he's a character actor showing up in TV stuff. So he almost his career almost took the trajectory of the actors that were playing Greg and Centauri, he went more the character actor route, mm. which is kind of neat considering they're two of the more memorable things in this film. Yeah, for sure. He took after them. Kind of cool. Yeah. And the villain choose oh scenery my God. wonderfully. <laughs> oh man. The Megamind villain with the ridiculous, <laughs> oh. ridiculous staff. <laughs> oh, he choose scenery just so wonderfully. <laughs> like, I like that his hologram, when it comes on, creates a wind effect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it does, but it's so fitting. <laughs> and his hologram is able to look around the room as if it's in there and look at specific people. And see their reactions. Turn around and looking yes. at the starfighters going, these are your starfighters. Which that's oh actually God, a, the greatest yeah. hologram ever. That's actually a dark moment, too, when they show that torture, that guy's face the melting. melting. <laughs> yes! The melting. That's what I mean! <laughs> I forgot about that. And the second it, it, it cut to that shot, all the memories came back. And I was just like, oh, right. This was a kid's movie. Like, I remember that. You want to know me. why people in the 80s have resilience? Because those were the things we showed our kids. Right. We showed our kids a guy getting his head melted. As I said, I was, I was watching this at 7. I went to yes. the theater at 7 with <laughs> yeah. this. Problem was, I had, I had, a, I had a siblings that were 10 years older than me. Yeah. So they could take me to all this stuff. Yeah. My uncle took me oh. to it. I remember being my scared. My uncle, not a kid. My uncle took me. <laughs> An adult did. Well, and 
it has an unnerving quality to it because you have him go, okay, father, I caught one of your spies and he's got him in this, he's all beat up and he's got him in this device where he's shooting a laser down his head that's melting him. And it was that same stop motion kind of effect of the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yes. you can tell it's a practical yeah. effect and it's creepy and they never stay on it for too long. It's maybe two seconds and you cut back to everyone reacting the same way we do with stark terror and disgust but it keeps cutting back to it with more and more kind of degradation and showing it going along and i know they're doing that as a practical reason to make it easier to show a little bit of progress a little bit of progress but by the fourth time they cut back to him like okay enough enough he's melted stop he's already dead <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> it's, it's evil god but can yeah. we take a moment and uh and speak about the space fights what are your thoughts about how well that's aged mark what do you think so, going back on memory, I remember being amazed, just amazed at how amazing the space fights were. I think it's so funny now because basically his ship doesn't move. Like his ship, they don't animate the ship moving other than tilting side to side. There's no feel of like, you know, velocity or movement because it's nope. just they fired a rocket and your ship tilts a little left. Tilts a little right. Okay, you shot him down. I I don't. It doesn't age well. Let's just put it that way. But I still kind of enjoyed it because, again, when he cuts back to inside the cockpit, I don't know why it seems so much more exciting because he's like the cockpit literally spins 360. He can shoot behind him. Yes. And I think that is such a cool concept that I'm like, I've got him enjoying when they're in the cockpit. He's doing things. But it doesn't make any sense because – like the one shot where he tips himself upward in the cockpit, but I know <laughs> the shit doesn't move upward. It's just <laughs> for whatever reason, it's fixed in space. I don't know. I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it ages poorly. Wayne, if you didn't see this movie preteen, <laughs> you're probably going to have a hard time with the space battles. You're going to be like, oh my God, this is just utter garbage. Yeah. For me, there's still a certain charm. I don't deny that it doesn't Absolutely. hold up as well, but. Um, I don't know. It, it does what it needs to do. I still love, regardless, when they press the DB button. That's oh. amazing. Oh, still. I, love, awesome. I love the idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> and what the it death actually blossom does. Blossom is wild. Yeah. Even though he would be completely passed out by the time that ship came back. Yes, the G Force. <laughs> like so the way he's spinning in that chair and everything. Yeah, the, he would be yeah. knocked out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Death Blossom is an awesome but, idea. The, yeah. the Death Blossom, again, for anyone who hasn't seen it, they keep talking about this super move that the ship has. It can only be fired once, which is the Death Blossom. And it's basically opening up all of the missile bays, all of the laser bays, spinning the ship like wild and firing in all directions, locking on every enemy around it. But it'll leave it vulnerable afterwards if it even works and doesn't overload and blow up the ship. <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool effect when it happens. Yes, fine, yeah. 1980s film. But it's a cool effect. You see it spinning around, blowing up this armada that he's trying to take on at once. Now, what I love about this, this is called back upon in, you ever watch the show Reboot? Yeah. Which again, that. the CG Mike. didn't age amazingly well, but it's Reboot, they have a, a later season where Enzo, when he's older and all grizzled looking, he actually has one of his pistols. He calls up the setting Death Blossom when a bunch of people are surrounding him to try oh, and intimidate them and back them off. And the gun goes above him, like levitating or whatnot, and starts spinning around, putting red lasers on everybody. That's I'm amazing. pretty sure that's a direct call to oh, this. 100%. has to be. That's amazing. Which is 100%. awesome. I got to go YouTube that episode. Yeah. 
after this. I'm almost positive he says, like, pattern death blossom. I know blossom is in the word, and it has to be a callback to this particular scene. That is one of the better space scenes in this. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Mark. The the cockpit scenes are done really well for showing some level of action and motion. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's limitations when you're actually outside of it trying to use the CG. The cavern fight is pretty wild. (laughs) It looks like they're going through water. (laughs) But I feel like the filmmakers knew the limitations they had, and I feel like that's why they kept cutting back into the cockpit to ground it on some level for the audience watching. Mm -hmm. I feel like they spent the money whenever they needed to and pulled back whenever they felt like they were a little bit strapped for cash. Uh, but overall pretty cool and then we get to the ending which is one of my other favorite parts <laughs> you have the townspeople or i don't know trailer park people whatever you want to call them oh, wait, wait 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 go ahead go ahead wait before you your, your ending ending yes because i there's a one of my favorite parts is when the bad guys die oh god oh. yeah oh yeah <laughs> i just think that's yeah. great yeah when he just comes by they shoot all the ship the ship is pretty much lost and it's being pulled towards a moon's gravitational field and the guy's like, what do we do now? And just the wicked slow motion look up. We die. We die. His lens closes. We die. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I, I call that. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> it is a good and that, moment. And that's 80s classic. It's a good it's moment. It's just great stuff. And of course, the sniveling villain escapes because <laughs> anyway. they want to set up a sequel. So, pausing for a moment. Yeah. That guy, his second, the, the, the main <laughs> villain's second in command, he is a hidden gem. Oh, he's amazing. That he's not in a lot of scenes. <laughs> Every scene is in, he's amazing. He seems to be genuinely competent. Things he's saying make sense. He's just being overridden by the lunatic who's in charge. And some emperor that we <laughs> never see. And some emperor we never see yeah. who put the lunatic in charge. And so he's just, he's a good soldier following the chain of command until it's its enough is enough. And he arrests him, but it's too late. They're doomed. And it's... Yes. He gets away with his staff with the spear in it. Yeah, but he has that awesome death scene, which I think is so cool because it's the, no, you go down with the ship. What do we do? Nothing. We die. Like, yep, we that's die. just so cool. <laughs> and again, not too much to talk about at the end there. He shows up, he takes his girl and he goes back off into space. But when he comes back for his girl and all the townspeople come crowding around the spaceship that's landing and the one old lady is harboring a shotgun oh, yeah. i almost fell out of my <laughs> chair grandma. laughing she is ready to go to town yeah. she ready probably to has shoot. the second high score on that arcade game yeah. she's got reflexes and even the, even the characters in the show recognize it when alex is like grandma put the shotgun <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> what are you even yeah. doing but yeah i overall i recommend the film it is a fun heartfelt tale yes the special effects are a little on the rougher side but you know what i'll take that over the best special effects with a shoddy story and no characterization it's fun absolutely yeah i would recommend it too uh it's a little harder to swallow today i would kill for a remake of this yeah i think it yes i think it deserves it and it would suit well in today's world with video games now really taking off they could do so much with this yes they could I 100% agree. I was thinking that while I was watching, I was like, you know, I don't know want a lot of movies that were made in the 80s as remade because, you know, what they're classics. Don't touch them. This Agreed. is one where I genuinely would like to see a remake because I think there's a lot of story mm-hmm. that they could tell. Because like you said, it kind of ends mm-hmm. in a way they were like, well, is there going to be a sequel? There could be a sequel. What's going to happen? And they never get a sequel. Right. So yeah, the Empire Strikes there's back. a lot of story that could still be told. But I highly, highly recommend it. And I would say that I don't care about the aging of it because, again, I think as a movie, it still has the heart to carry you through and entertain you. It's 
endlessly entertaining with a few cheesy special effects. I'd watch this before I'd watch like an Assassin's Creed, which had a ton Agreed. of production Agreed. behind it. And is an awful movie. So it's not always about when it's made. It's about how it's made. So I enjoy this movie a lot. Absolutely. And let's hope we get that remake someday. Yeah. Now, we will bring this to a close for today. Uh, but next time, we'll be taking the other half of what we teased last time. We will be going to Tron, arguably the first video game film I can even think of. Yeah. If we're going to talk about something that may not visually age well, I think we're hitting it square in the face this time around. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we thank you for joining us. <laughs> we hope you'll join us on that next one. Uh, thank you for listening to Press X to Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me have been Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah. Adios. See you in the next one. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athanas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.